We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, Thursday, April 27th episode. It is draft day. Do whatever you need to do to get pumped up for the first round of the draft. Obviously, the Browns don't have a pick. I think you know that by now. So uh, sit back, enjoy. Should be a fun event, uh, even if they're not going to be involved. I put up a mock draft today at the OBR where I found a way to get into the first round. Andrew Barry, though, has pretty much confirmed it isn't happening and that you can take the night off from... Uh, you know, if you were a writer, he told the beat writing group, you can plan to take that night off. There is no intention to get into the first round. So it is purely sit back and enjoy the event mode for most of us tonight. The OBR will be covering it live. Pretty pumped about that. We're going to do the entire draft. Every pick will be around hanging out, chatting, talking about them. So swing by the OBR YouTube and Twitch and check that out if you'd like. Today's show is, I think, a pretty fun one. I have Corey Cannon on. You know Corey has invested a ton of time in this draft, so I wanted to get his opinion on prospects, fits, first round, and the Browns, obviously. And then Jared Mueller will join us a little bit later for more of his thoughts on the whole draft and um, you know, specifically what the Browns will do in days two and three. So should be a fun event, as it's always meant to be. We have, like I said, two great guests. The first one here with Corey Cannon is... Uh, when I do some of these interviews, we use the platform to do them. And if I don't switch off my AirPods to the actual microphone, if I plug the AirPod in second, it somehow catches that as my microphone. So the interview audio on my side stinks here. So I apologize for that. But good stuff here from Corey that I wanted to get over to you guys. So let's jump over to that interview right now. All right, Corey Kennan joins us. Browns Wire, you know him. He's been on the show too many times to even count at this point. Corey, man, we are day of round one. It's it's like a mini holiday for us this weekend. What what are you feeling? Are you pumped? Are you exhausted? I know you put out your draft guide, which people can still purchase and take advantage of all the knowledge you can get. But I have to imagine it is like a uh, ultimate finished feeling for you. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, again, yeah, I did do my draft guide, 171 reports. So that was a, a long one for me this year. But uh the past two weeks since releasing it, though, has been like a nice little release. Like I've just been playing a lot of video games up till to uh, to the draft. So, you know, now it's here. It's kind of nice to have, you know, no 
no stick in the game on Thursday night. Like the Browns aren't coming up. Like it, the Browns aren't making a pick. So, you know, just probably throwing on the show and having it on as background noise instead of like trying to analyze every single pick. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. You know, grab a snack, grab a beer, just hang out. It's going to be a good night. Should be a fun night. Should be a crazy night. This is a weird draft. I've been saying it almost every episode leading up to this thing where we don't really have a great feel for player projections, where they're going to get picked. And it starts at the top. I know you and I are big CJ Stroud fans, been that way for a while. It feels like Bryce is going one. Is Houston going to screw around and not take a quarterback? What, what are you predicting there? Because that that spot is so strange to me that it feels like they could just punt on quarterback. I would I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if they did. Like, unless they're really in on like Caleb Williams like coming back up from twelve, like, you think, or something like that. So that's possible too. I've heard they they do like Will Levis. I I don't know if that, but I. I this is where the Browns were in, in 2018 with, you know, picks one and pick four. And it's like, oh, yeah. just pick your Those are nightmare first. memories, Corey. Those are, those are yeah. nightmare memories. Oh, yeah. Memories. Saquon oh, take, and best Saquon. quarterback left. Yeah, take, yeah, 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 yeah. Just take the quarterback <laughs> you want, man. Just, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't buy it. I think they're taking a quarterback at two, man. Again, unless they're just punting on quarterback for a year, which they could be, you know, first year of a head coach. I don't think they're sold on Nick Casario at GM. So, you know, that that could be something where they say, well, let's just punt and let, you know, take our woes this year, Davis Mills again, and come back. And and again, they have the Browns first round pick next year. So they've got two first rounders to, if they don't land the first or second overall pick. And, you know, the, the way it's been the past two years is a team that already has a quarterback they're not willing to give up on yet. They already have them on the roster. So they trade out for a King's ransom. I mean, the Jaguars couldn't in 2022 because it was a terrible QB class. But, like, you know, if, if uh, the Texans don't get the first or second overall pick for Drake May for Caleb Williams, like, okay, there's there's a good chance one of these teams taking a quarterback in the first round this year might. Like, Anthony Richardson's going to take his lumps. You know, if Indianapolis takes him, they could have a first or second overall pick. So I think there's rooms, you know, room for a team with two first-round picks to say, hey, we'll punt this year and come back next year, and if we can get in range for Caleb Williams or Drake May. I still would be shocked. I mean, there's four quarterbacks everybody's talking about, and you're the second overall pick. Like, I, So I, I tend to think they're taking a quarterback. Who that is, I don't know. Like, They tweeted out that weird thing over the weekend that was like very much resembled Will Levis's tattoo font, and what they tweeted out and the words very much resembled like the Bible verse that Will Levis has tattooed on his arm. So I don't, I, I don't know, but... Uh, I would be shocked if they don't take the quarterback. It seems like they spent so much time on that. It was, it was such a strange post to not mean anything at all. But, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so say, say hypothetically CJ doesn't go second here. Where do you think he lands? A lot of people are talking Raiders maybe moving up. I mean, obviously he could just simply land with Indy. But the third pick seems to be like if CJ's sitting there, Tennessee, Vegas – and perhaps Indy moving up one slot all seem very plausible. Where do you think he lands? Yeah, so now the thing is that everybody's saying the Cardinals love Paris Johnson Jr. Or Kyler Murray wants Paris Johnson Jr. is the yeah. thing now everybody's saying to Arizona. So I, I still think Arizona probably trades out, but they're going to trade out in, in a range where they can still get Paris Johnson Jr. And for me, seven with the Raiders is that perfect fit. Like, I don't think Seattle or Detroit's going anywhere if it goes quarterback, 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 quarterback. Like, they're going to they're gonna want Jalen Carter and Will Anderson in some order. So I, I thought least seven for, for best non quarterback and non defensive player. Um, I've heard Tennessee is going to be aggressive. 
So you know the new GM Carthenon there wants to make a wants to make a, a splash. So I could see Tennessee coming up to three, but I think Tennessee then that might put they're what ten? I think they're at ten. Um, that might Maybe put them a little bit eleven. Yeah, um, that might put them a little bit too far out of range. The Cardinals for Paris Johnson Jr. So seven really makes sense. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy G for a year, that's fine. I mean, but they gave Jerry, Jimmy G a lot of guaranteed money to come up and get a quarterback, though. Like, they guaranteed him for three years, almost. Like, he's got guaranteed money going into the second, third season. So, it's hard. Um, I think Arizona would be foolish not to trade out. But <laughs> I, I, agree. I, I think it's either Indy up a pick or Tennessee getting aggressive because of the Vrabel-Ohio State connection. And, you know, just, just he would know more. He would just have talked to more people there. So that that's kind of where I lean. Even though Vegas does make the most sense, I uh, I I do smell that there's a real commitment to Jimmy and making that work with McDaniel. So that's that's their world to live in. But nonetheless, it also uh, I think are. you know Josh McDaniel's year one didn't go well. So I think having Jimmy for two years gives he feels like gives him two years of job security rather than like oh if I go with a rookie like I got a win or I'm yeah. out. So yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's go AFC North here. Pittsburgh's 17, I think. Who do you mm-hmm. have them taking? What do you feel like? feels like corner or tackle for them, but I guess they could yeah. shift up a little bit. Pittsburgh's never been great about not telegraphing their picks. <laughs> like the Najee sure. year, everybody knew they were taking Najee Harris. Uh, last year, we kind of figured Willis or Pickett. Um, and there's a lot of buzz about Joey Porter Jr. You know, his dad is a longtime Steelers fan or Steelers player. So, like, I could, I think it's going to be corner. Um and I could see Joey Porter Jr., Deontay Banks, one of those two guys. But what I won't discount is is Devon Witherspoon, as good as he is, is a massive outlier based on his size. And I could see Witherspoon not being liked by a lot of teams. And that's very much a Mike Tomlin kind of player, too. So if Witherspoon does tend to slip, maybe. Uh, but I think it's going to be corner. Um, I think tackles are going to fly off the board. I think tackles are going to fly off the board. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, so... I like Pittsburgh corner. I think it makes the most sense. If there is a tackle sitting there, Darnell possibly see them taking it. But corner, it's who we mocked last night. Uh, it's kind of where I think they lean. Okay, so uh, next up would be Baltimore, which, which again, who the hell knows where Baltimore is going with what all they need and mm-hmm. the Lamar situation. What's your vibe there if you had to predict it? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, man. Again, OBJ is a one-year, a one-year thing. Uh, so, I mean, a wide receiver is definitely on the table. Quentin Johnston could be a guy they, they want there. Uh, they also need a corner. They also need an edge. Um, but I, it's hard to tell. Like, Deontay Banks feels like a, a Baltimore kind of player, and I would hate that because I love Deontay Banks. Lucas Van Ness feels like very much a Baltimore player, but I think he's going to get yeah. drafted a little higher than that. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, man, Deontay Banks makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, again, But, again, if they're t- really trying to please Lamar, you know, OBJ might just be a start and they could go out and say, all right, let's go get another one. Um, so a guy like Quentin Johnston um, yeah. could make sense for them there too. Okay. I like it. I think last night we had Baltimore. Ooh, sneaky, sneaky though. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. interrupt you. Yeah. Like <laughs> JK Dobbins is kind of rolling into his last year of his contract with injuries and, I mean, they could take yeah, like Jameer Gibbs could be a sneaky pick for them. Yeah. Well, that's a question. Do you think? Do you think Bijan Sashi, goes? Though, well, how high do you think Bijan goes? Do you think he goes top fifteen? Ooh, I last night we had him fall all the way to Dallas, which we thought would run the card mm, up there. Dallas, if he's so, sitting there. 
here's the thing with Bijan though. Like I think if Detroit has the chance at 18, they're not passing it up. Like he just that that's a very much like gritty Dan Campbell kind of player. And they just signed David Montgomery to a one year like six million dollar deal. Uh, Jamal Williams is gone. I don't think they love DeAndre Swift. Like I could see Bijan going 18 to Detroit if he's on the board. That'd be a good fit. I think he'd be good with them. And yeah, maybe Gibbs is sitting there uh, with a potential in there. I mean, another spot that Bijan's been kind of referenced, if it's not Dallas, it's the pick before it, is Cincinnati. Now that everybody points to tight end, I, I mean, I'm just not a fan of first-round tight ends. You know, to, look how long it took David to get where he's got. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is so developmental. And I know that you look at Cincinnati's offense and you, you want to kind of project what's the one spot they need help. It feels to me like, they should be looking for tackle help, but again, what kind of tackle value is there? But it smells like tight end. Do you think they surprise anybody, or do you you see them going Kincaid or Mayer at that point? I mean, again, run on tackles, they'd probably be overdrafting a tackle. I can see them going with with a guy like Mayer, Kincaid, maybe Darnell Washington. Again, I think I think Mayer could go earlier than we think. After all of the kind of overthink that's happened with him, I still think the NFL is going to like him uh, for you know. I think he's really well-rounded and he, I think he runs pretty good routes for how big he is. Um, but like Darnell Washington, I could see being a, a tight end fit. I'm weary on Kincaid because he's more of a flex and he's got a, a pretty bad back injury that's kept him out all pre-draft cycle. Like that doesn't scream first rounder to me. Um, but again, you know, if a tackle like Darnell Wright falls, if a tackle like Broderick Jones falls, which I don't see it, Anton Harrison falls. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking, I mean, especially Darnell Wright, because Darnell Wright's a strictly right tackle at Tennessee. And that's kind of where they're talking about Lael Collins, who had a dumpster fire of a season for them. Like, ooh, right tackle's open. Um, so Darnell Wright would make sense. Dewan Jones would make sense. But I still think first round's a little early on Dewan. And I, there, there's some, like, he's, he's raised quite a few red flags over the past month or so as well. So I don't think he's going to go first round based on, on some things. But um I think they're going to go tight end or running back, man. I, I don't love it, but I mean, I guess they're in a, a position offensively where they can kind of afford to do something like that. Yeah, for sure. If they want to push that off, a lot of Cincinnati people are kind of buzzing about Addy out of a war, uh, you know, who uh, potentially could be a fit there. I think that's the thing. I want to ask you two questions. Who's a guy you've continually seen mocked in the first round who you think doesn't go in the first round. And then on the contrary, mm-hmm. Who's somebody that has not usually been mocked in the first round that you think does end up going there? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'll give you two that I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if the NFL is as high as you guys are on them. And uh, Zay Flowers is one of them. Um, I mean, he's he's a fine. Dude, that round picture runner. of him today, who was he with? Um, he was with a TV broadcast, uh, you know, TV personality, a Palmer, uh-huh. maybe. I think I can't remember. Okay, uh, but he was—he looks so small. He's so small next to him, and I'm like, I don't know, man. These TV figures and Palmer's not that big. Like this is—he is alarmingly small. I mean, to you, mm-hmm. you keep going with talking about why you think he falls out of the first round, but there's some—I mean, like if, if, if there's real concern there, I, I think it's—it's it's truly built around spending a first-round pick on a guy with that small stature, even though he's very talented. Right. Yeah. His size. And again, I think he's a fine route runner. I think he's a sharp route runner, but like, I don't think his route running necessarily stands out. I don't think, I don't know. I think we went through this a little bit with like Chris Olave versus Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson was a sudden route runner. And sometimes that meant he added an extra step versus Chris Olave. People thought was smooth because he got out of his breaks uh, because he didn't have an extra step. But like, 
I'd rather have a sudden route runner. And so like, I think Zay Flowers is probably along that Alave track where it's like, yeah, he's a smooth route runner, but like, he's not really forcing DBs onto their heels at the top of routes. He's not really instilling much fear. You know, he's not crowding space. So like, I don't know. Uh, again, his size doesn't play through contact well. His catch radius is limited. I think he, he tracks the ball fine down the field, but like, there's nothing about his game that screams like first rounder. Um, and I, I, I honestly, like, this is it's a weird wide receiver class. Like, if you want to give me a guy with a good throttle, uh, give me the more explosive one. Like, the good route runner with more throttle, give me the, the more explosive one. And, and, like, Zay's not the most explosive one. So, like, I don't – it's an odd class for wide receiver. Um, and then Kalijah Kansi's probably the other one. Like, is this a guy the NFL's as high on as, as you people are? Like, as, as draft pundits are? Like, we, draft pundits love Kalijah Kansi, but, like, you watch some of his run game reps, and it's ugly, man. Like, are people going to value that top 31 this year as much as, as – as much as draft pundits have loved him over the past two or three months, like he gets moved off the ball. Like he can't anchor double. Like I get it. He's slippery as a pass rusher, but like, are you drafting a guy, a situational pass rusher in the first round? I'm probably not. Are you drafting a gap shooter in the first round? I'm probably not. Like, so those would be the two guys that I'm like, eh, probably not. Dig it. And then who do you have coming up? I think that's, that's going to be interesting. So there's always, a guy or two that you're like, wow, he was a first rounder. Okay. Is Hendon Hooker going in the first round? That's a question. Oh God, no. I don't buy the Hendon Hooker stuff, man. His his agent's working double time. Like <laughs> that dude's working hard. Um a surprise, I would say, you know, with the success that Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen had this year, like those longer athletic corners, I could see a team looking at Julius Brents and saying, like, hey, let's 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 take a shot on that Woolen Gardner track and take the long athletic guy. Because because Julius Brents is twitchy for his size, you know he's athletic for his size. He, he had an, a, a near perfect RAS at the combine, like, um, and and he can flip his hips pretty well at six two. So Julius Brents would be a guy that I could see a team. You know, NFL is a cyclical game, and people uh, it's a copycat league. So they see the success of these longer athletic corners, and they say, "Give me one." So uh, I could see Julius Brents sneaking into the back. Okay, let's shift to the Browns. Give me your dream start seventy four ninety eight. Uh, you could do a couple of them. I think you can. I, it's hard to just sort of pinpoint this to one, but if you could get your two guys and then maybe an alternate of that grouping, uh, go through those for people. Yeah, the dream would be uh, like Keanu Benton slipping to seventy four, which I I really don't see, but his ADP's kind of been all over the place. Um, so like a Benton Tyler Scott at seventy four would be the dream. Uh, Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott, Keanu Benton. One of those three, 74 is the dream. We get to 98. It's a little stickier. Like Nick Erbig, like he's been slipping a little bit in mock drafts. Like I love Nick Erbig. I think you have a big end rotation, like a rotational big end, but you don't really have a rotational situational pass rusher. And I, I think that could really round out your edge room. He could play Sam and, and base. Like we've had this conversation. He could play Sam and base for you as well. If you really want to try that off ball and see how he does there, considering he's undersized, 98 is great value for him. Uh, what I don't want to do is I don't want to take a defensive tackle just to say we took a defensive tackle. Like that's the TA big, did a that's the big yes big. TA did a really good job of, of breaking it down, and I, I really think Gervin Dexter is a guy they like, even though his PFF pass rush grade isn't kind of on par of what they've usually taken. So I would add Gervin Dexter to the list that that wasn't on TA's spreadsheet. But like, there's like two or three defensive tackles in this entire class that that really check all of the boxes for the Browns. And so what I really would hate is for them at 98 to reach on. Oh geez, like Keandre Coburn or, or some player they really don't want or like love just to say they took a defensive tackle. And this front office won't. Um, 
but I think there's going to be a lot of upset fans at face value. And they say they left without a defensive tackle, like, but like, it's a, it's a bad defensive tackle class where they're picking to, to need one. So Nick Irving, 98, uh, I wouldn't hate Dorian Williams at 98 linebacker to Tulane. I think it's a little early, but like not super early again, when you're picking late third round, you're looking for role players, uh, predominantly. Like I loved what AB said in his press conference, like, horse over geese like geese can fly they can swim they can run they can do all like they're they're diverse in what they can do but like they don't do any of it well but horses run fast and he's like you know when we get this late i want a horse instead of a goose so um but like dorian williams um i mean if we go running back if roshan johnson's on the board i wouldn't hate it uh, if they go wide receiver at 74 isaiah mcguire at 98 would be so nice too uh, really fluid for his size, could play big end, could could actually bring some some juice as a pass rusher as well. So something like that. I think what's interesting is you talked about defensive tackle where like I see it as essentially that's a position that people want the Browns to take and you're kind of referencing it, but that doesn't like there's gonna be a position or two that don't get taken maybe at all, but definitely until later. And I think defensive tackle like a late stab at a player who's over the age guard rail or under the athleticism threshold. I keep kind of going back to like a late pick of like a Kobe Turner, right. Of somebody mm-hmm. who just is too old, but like you just would rather dart throw them a little bit later. Is there a position um, that you think is going to surprise people? I know you reference linebacker. I've been vocal about uh, just how I think the linebacker position as it currently is constituted in Cleveland with the rash of injuries that they've had over multiple years uh, among their core, it's like, this is a position and especially a walk is coming back from, you know, his quad thing. Mm-hmm. And like, how ready to go is he right away? JOK two years of missing chunks of time and Jacob Phillips can't find any health and, you know, Taki's knee and all of the myriad of different things here. I know linebackers, one of them, but is there another one that you're drawn to be like, okay, like, because last year people didn't expect corner Martin Emerson fit things. And a lot of people who know, uh, you know, put together the draft guides with the age guardrails and tie everything together. He was there. It's not like he was an unheard of, but people didn't think corner first pick in last year's draft. And I'm not saying you're saying this year's guy is going to be the first selection, whatever they do pick, but is there any position that stands out to you? Maybe even multiples that you're like, well, you wouldn't expect them to take a guy there, but they really are going to be drawn to it. Man, they've been meeting with a lot of offensive tackles. That's where I'm looking to. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you've been vocal about running back, so I don't even think that's a surprise at this point. Like, they could t- very easily take a running back at 80, at 98. They could easily take one at 74. Like, But offensive tackle, I think, and I don't know if they have a certain rotational shelf life for swing tackle. So, you know, uh, James Harrison's getting into year three, and they don't, you know, they just see a four-year rotation. So they say, hey, we could, we could find a swing tackle or, uh, you know, they're planning for Jack Conklin in two years. Jedrick Wills, we're assuming his fifth year gets picked up. He's They've got two years. Like, all three of their offensive tackles have two years left on their contract. So, uh, taking a stab, you know, they met with Blake Freeland, who is unbelievably off, uh, athletic, but he came into school as a tight end, and he's raw. Like, that's going to take some molding. Um, you know, they met with Dewan Jones. I don't think he's going to fall that far into range for them. But, uh, you know, they've, they've met with quite a few offensive tackles, so that wouldn't shock me. I'm with you, man. That's one that continues to stand out for me. And even a flex Chris Hubbard type, Braden Daniels, somebody who can be an inside-outside uh, sort of guy for them. I, I think um, the kid from Maryland whose name is escaping me right now. Even Bergeron, the kid, yeah, the, the Bergeron kid from Syracuse. There's just there's something to them. 
I think, looking a little harder at offensive line than people want to admit. So it's fascinating. All right, dude, last question before we go. This is where it really matters. You can pick any player at any point in the draft for the Browns here. You can you got 20 bucks. I say you can double your money if you, you know, or even I, it would probably be longer odds than that, but whatever. We're not here to do math. You say the Browns are going to pick this guy at some point through the draft. Do you have one that you feel really strongly about? Ooh, that is great. Man, I I don't. I mean, Nick Urbig is is as close as like like he checks boxes, man. Like he he tested all right for like a 90th pick, but like He's productive. He, I mean, his GPS data has to be explosive. Like he fits positions of need. Uh, Isaiah McGuire is another one that's like, oh, that guy checks a lot of a lot of boxes. Um, but I don't really have a guy that's like for the first year. Like usually there, there's a lot of years, and I'd be interesting who like Jack has said based on what he's found uh, and things like that too. But like it's a hard year to, to nail something down like that. But if I had to take one stab, I'd say like Nick yeah. Irving, Isaiah McGuire, one of those two. Okay, well, you took two steps. We're only going to take your first one. Ah, okay, Nick Irving. I'll say Irving. <laughs> right. You know we're fans of Irving, man. Fun stuff. He's Corey Cannon. We appreciate your time, man. Check him out at the Browns. Right? You know where to find him. You know his Twitter. It's all out there. And uh, if you have not gotten his draft guide, please go out and get it. Well worth the time and effort. You know, again, this is hours and hours and days and days and weeks and months of effort from Corey. And, and again, if you care about the draft, it's just a cool piece of literature to have around. You know, knock the dust off of it and four or five years and look back at those classes. I mean, if you're, you know, draft sickos like us, that stuff's always fun. So go buy his draft guide. You can find it on his Twitter, the link to it. Uh, And I'll put the link to it in the episode uh, description of this podcast. So if you can get directly to it. So again, Corey, we appreciate you a ton, man. Yeah, absolutely. Jake, you know, I love coming on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A guy whose opinion you know I value like crazy. Jared Mueller, what's up, Jared? How are you, buddy? Oh, man, loving loving destroying a, a whole garage and so that I can get a bigger one built, man. That sounds terrible. I told you um, <laughs> off air that we're doing land. Like, we're redoing and reshaping everything about the front of our house. So it's it's just more than you bargain for. And I would say 
it's just harder getting older and being able to do those things with ease. So you know, yeah, here we like are bouncing back and you know, all that good yeah. stuff. So old guys talking on, on a podcast and LeBron is going into year 20 playing in the NBA. So, you know, it's all relative. It's all relative, but hey, so here we are. Round one has a chance to be chaos tomorrow, man. Like I, I guess what I'm asking you is what kind of chaos do you expect? Do you think, I, I guess the way I'm framing this is what's something unexpected in your mind that's going to happen? Does Stroud fall out of pick two? Does Levis move up? Do the Raiders trade up? Like, I think there's going to be some sort of madness because I actually think it's settling into the point now, Jared, where this draft is less talented than a lot of people think it is. And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to play into the chaos is the 15 teams, uh, 15 draft slots where people are chasing some of the better prospects here. It feels like there's going to be some chaos. So I'm giving you an opportunity, making one bold prediction about something that's going to happen in the first round that you feel pretty good about at this spot. I saw somebody even mocking the Ravens trading up for uh pick four to the Colts to go up. And I think they're sending Lamar back as a, as a part of that. So do you think Lamar goes, what's that? That's bold. Do you have anything more bold than that? Man, I can't get anything more bold than that. And the problem with that is Lamar has to agree to that because he hasn't signed his franchise tag yet. So I just don't see that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I think a team, if they're going to go, do you think after- Lamar would agree to go there? That just thinking offhand, that's one of the few spots. I do. I think there's a yeah, good enough too. team, but I think what the Colts would do, they might trade down, but the Colts would look to try to figure that out without using this year's pick, um, with whatever that contract would look like after they draft tomorrow. Meaning it would be 2024 and 2025 first round pick, which they then would hope would not be number four overall. Um, is one way for them to go about it. My biggest thing is I I think the Minnesota Vikings are trading up for a quarterback. I don't think it's going to be Levis. I think it would be C.J. Stroud if he falls out of that kind of top four area that we're hearing right now. Um, I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to look ahead, and it actually – there's kind of a two-parter, and it plays exactly with what you said. This draft isn't very good. Just overall, it's not very talented. There's a lot of maybes and hopefullys and all of this kind of stuff that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the top wide receiver, and he's pretty much a slot guy that can play outside but is going to do what slot guys do who can kind of do some things outside. So that also means I think Minnesota will get to trade up much cheaper than what many people would expect, which also I think is going to lead to more trades. So if you have Minnesota trade up to number seven on a cheap deal. All of a sudden, everybody below seven or eight or nine, wherever it is, is looking like, all right, well, I guess that's the price. And people lower are going to go, well, let's move up then if if that's the price. So I think you might see a, a pretty active trade deadline or not trade deadline, sorry, <laughs> trade activity while the NFL draft is going on because uh, it's just not that talented of a draft. The question then becomes off of that, it moves into day two. You know, everybody who listens to this show knows all my opinions. So I really want to gather as much of your intel as I can. Like, what do you think the Browns are going to do? Like, where do you sit here? You know, like I said, we're a day away from this thing. So are you feeling like they trade back? Like, what are you feeling most concrete about in terms of what they're going to do uh, late? It'd be obviously late here on day two. You know, I think overall with with Andrew Barry 
what I'm really confident is he's not going to just wait. Right. And so, or if he does and he can't get a trade up again, that might be into the sixties. That might be into the, the low fifties. Then he's more likely to trade back and get something next year. Right. They have four selections right now in 2024. That's just not a lot of draft picks. I just don't see Andrew Barry just sitting around. Mm, now let's see what happens. Let's, let's just let it come to us at 74. That just doesn't fit his MO. And so I think you're going to see him be a little more aggressive, but I also think at least based on what the media and fans know, there are some players that we think are going to go a little bit higher that just aren't. There's a lot of kind of misfit toys that, you know, uh, Tommy Adebaware, Tuli Tulipolo, uh, that's, I was way off on that one. Um, you know, there's Carl Brooks. There's a bunch of guys that just maybe don't exactly fit that I think are going to fall because they're not kind of those template players um, that I think Andrew Berry's going to move up for. And if he doesn't, he's not able to get kind of the value he wants. He's going to move back and try to get a, an extra fourth round pick next year, an extra third round pick next year, whatever it is. I just don't see him sitting kind of pat at 74 and with eight picks this year, he either needs to be moving up and, or he needs to be moving out. There's just not eight. I mean, they might have five spots on their roster right now four, whatever that is. And so I think he needs to either be moving up or moving out or maybe a little combination of both. Yeah. That's the question too. I know that you can make trades and still end up with eight draft picks, right? You can, you can drop down far enough that you collect some future and some now stuff, but do you think they make eight selections in this draft? Not a chance. I, I think six is probably the max that it's going to be. I just don't think when you think about all the players he has signed over the last two years, three years and drafted, he doesn't, there's just not a lot of room and you can't quote unquote waste either salary cap space on some guaranteed money or a draft pick just to bring in competition. Like I just don't see how, that makes sense from an educated way of putting together a roster. You're only talking about 53 guys. Like there's not that space. So I think six would be the max uh, that allows for a little bit of injury wiggle room. Uh, but you can't plan around four major injuries, three major injuries um, to, to, you know, season enders to get into your 53 man roster. So piggybacking off of that, then the question turns to, what positions so as we go into this i have a before and after question but like as you sit here thinking is it purely best player available do they say damn to everything or do you <laughs> think they're chasing some certain positions that they would like to fit a guy into because like you said there's so many this this range of like 45 to 75 is so unpredictable in terms of what 30 players sit in that group that show up in some mock simulators and not others, because that's really our only basis for understanding who will be available. Even the, the um, draft guides from different locations are so wildly different this year. I, I really can't remember a year more different. So I, I guess I'm, we'll start with that question about positions. You would really like to see them find a guy, maybe even two, if there's something out there for them. You know, I think part of it is looking at the roster composition right now. Defensive end has four players, right? And one is Isaiah Thomas, who was a late round pick. Um, you know, Alex Wright didn't show me a lot. I didn't really love uh, his tape last year. So really that tells me they got two players at that position. So defensive end is a position that I think they need to focus on. Um, I think this draft is 
from about 22 to about 70 are about the same players, right? So it may not have the top end, but it definitely has some good middle, at least comparable to you know to itself. Uh, so defensive end is one position. Linebacker outside of Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, they don't. I mean Tony Fields, they don't really have anybody under contract after this year. So that's why one of my favorite things and one of the things I did in my mock draft on Monday for Dogs by Nature is um, for some reason it seems like Jack Campbell is going to fall. I I think he's a first round quality player, maybe late, you know, part of the late half, uh, late third of the first round. But there's a lot of kind of steam picking up that he's going to be a falling player despite his athletic ability and all that, just because he's a linebacker. And so he's a player I could see them moving up for. Um, and then beyond that wide receiver, really at this point, they're they're at this speed. You can never have enough speed. So even if a player like Jalen Hyatt, who uh, some people are comparing to Devin Smith, he's got one route and he's really good at it, but it, will it be good enough at the NFL level? It wasn't for Smith. Would it be enough for Hyatt or will that kind of composite or comparison kind of push him down. So those are the three spots, at least early uh, defensive end linebacker and wide receiver. I uh, would love a, a nice, nice defensive tackle that you could rely on. Uh, but they've added some numbers there that would make that a little more difficult. Okay. So from that great stuff, who, who are guys you're in? Like you would just love, right? I'd kind of tweeted out the other day about uh, a dream scenario to start the draft. These can be guys you start the draft with, or you just would like them at any point. But like three players that through the draft process, you've thought, man, I really love those guys. I'd love for those those guys to be Browns. So the first one, and I've I've hammered his name all over the place, uh, is Keytrell Clark out of Louisville. I think he's a perfect slot cornerback. Uh, I love his attitude. Now he's a fourth, fifth round pick somewhere in that range because um, slot corner doesn't have a lot of value. But he is someone I think is going to be really valuable. I think that edge um, and really literally to play on the edge and to come down and run support as a slot cornerback is something that just has a lot of value. And the Browns really don't have that kind of edgy player uh, kind of in that middle. I think he's someone that for me is just really, really interesting. Um, I know that's a a weird one to start with, but that's really been the guy um, that I've I've liked a lot. Uh, And then Thule out of USC. Um, I've really liked his versatility. Again, he's he's 6'4", 280, somewhere in that range. So he's not the length that you normally want as a defensive end. But I think in um, Jim Schwartz's defense, I think he's going to be able to come off the edge, but also go down uh, inside as a defensive tackle at times as a three-tech. I think he's got the skills there. Obviously, as t- if Tommy falls from Northwestern, uh, again, kind of a tweener player, but I think he can do a lot of good there. Uh, but really, Tuli would be my my second guy. And then my say third it with guy, me. Say it with me real quick. No. Tui Tui Pulotu. Tui Pulotu. Got it. Nailed it. Got it. Yeah, nailed it. I've I've got you know. To be honest, I have the uh, pronunciation guide someplace around here. Um, and then my third guy is wide receiver Marvin Mims. Uh, while Tyler Scott and some of the other guys, Hyatt. Those are some interesting names. I feel like Mims is an overlooked player um, coming out of Oklahoma. I think that spread offense. Everybody produces there. That kind of mindset kind of minimizes what he can do. Um, but I have compared him to maybe a souped up or shard Higgins. Uh, and I mean that as a compliment, not the negative that it could be seen as. Uh, <laughs> I think Marv- Marvin Mims is a, a really good quality wide receiver who can do some things deep, 
uh, but also has a pretty good route running repertoire. So those are really my three guys. None of them big names, uh, maybe some hard to pronounce names, uh, but none of them big names. But I feel like they're guys that uh, are exactly what the Browns should want. Yeah, a lot of good fits in in those spots, uh, especially for the uh, traditional ways they've gone about drafting. So those names have been very popular. I like it. So when we close here, uh, your opinion, where do you think they come out of this draft? This is all obviously purely conjecture. It's all a hunch. Is there a position or two you feel like they think they can fall back on where they think we don't need to force this position because we can get a veteran for a cheap price if we still need to solve that at some point this summer? Is there? It could just be one. It could be multiple. You know, I think the the defensive end position has a variety of of veterans out there still. You know, I don't think Yannick Ngakwe is is exactly what they're looking for and probably wants more than than he deserves. Frank Clark. There's just a number of defensive ends that I think, you know, depending on what they're looking at from a numbers perspective, if they get if they draft one, the you know, they have Isaiah Thomas and a veteran kind of competing for that that fifth spot. They decide to keep six. I think defensive end really is a spot that they're just seems to be a, a good number, maybe five, six um, de- veteran defensive ends out there that they could fall back if it doesn't fall their way instead of being overly aggressive. And then obviously we know they had big Al Woods in from the as a defensive tackle. So kind of the same thing. Maybe they've already had a discussion with him. Things don't fall exactly their way. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at the start of day three, we find out L would sign because they didn't get the defensive tackle they wanted in day two. Yeah, we saw earlier this week the Ashawn Robinson signing kind of come out of nowhere when I thought the NFL was going to be totally quiet this week. So yeah, anything's on the table. And and uh, draft week is obviously even a place where massive trades can go down uh, as well before the draft even hits. So fun stuff. Jared, we appreciate you, man. You guys doing anything fun over at Dogs by Nature for the draft uh, that people can clue into if they want to? Yeah, we're going to have a couple things going on. Uh, Chris does a great job of just kind of a, a live tracker, good place to have conversations while people are watching your guys' live stream. They can check in and then that con- that digital conversation and your guys' verbal conversation. Uh, I'm going to be running kind of a best available, but based on what I think the Browns need and want and uh, probably stealing a lot of stuff from Jack Duffin about who won't be on that list because he doesn't fit, you know, age guardrails oh, yeah. and some other things. I'm not, hey, listen, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Let's let the best people do the best work. And Jack does an amazing job. Um, so those two things will really kind of be running throughout the draft, uh, starting on day one. Um, and then um, from there, obviously, news analysis, uh, Barry, uh, our Barry, not your Barry, uh, will do his draft insight pieces as the draft goes on a couple a day or two after that. So uh, really in depth, he does a great job of, he's kind of our historian. So not only do you find out about the player, but you find out about his history, uh, his story, all that kind of stuff. So Barry does a great job with that. So we'll have all that going on over at dogs by nature. We appreciate your insight, Jared. We will certainly be catching up with you immediately after the draft when the schedule permits. So thanks again, buddy. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you, brother. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks to Jared and Corey for stopping by, giving some thoughts on the draft. I hope you guys have enjoyed all the lead up to this draft. It has been a lot of fun. So many parts of this thing have been uh, enjoyable, stressful, all the above. 74 straight mock drafts on weekdays, uh, including some four mock weekends and a lot of activities getting you ready. I Hopefully you feel informed. That's been the entire goal of this pod and obviously the written content at the OBR is to get you prepared, make you feel like you know 
the prospects, the Browns thought process, all of that. I think that's what's most important. So exciting times all around. I will be back with uh, tonight, Andrew Spade, to record uh, thoughts on the first round and everything that goes with it. And we'll kind of compare it to our Twitch show first round mock that we did as a group to see how many we got correct. And then uh, I will do what I've promised, which I didn't want to do this before the first round because prospects are gone. I will give you before the second round and and third round on Friday, day two, uh, guys at every position that I would prefer the Browns take. One guy at every position. So that'll be available for you Friday morning. The reaction to the first round, and then my guys, I would take at every position heading into when the Browns will have two picks, 74 and 98, and potentially move around, trade, get more. We'll see what they do, but it'll be uh, the kickoff, actually, of the Browns draft. But tonight, pure entertainment purposes only as we watch the other teams participate in the first round, and it should be a good time. Always enjoy the draft. I know it's a little bit of a holiday for Cleveland <laughs> Browns fans, even though you know we're not involved in the first round. It is it is nice to uh, always nice to see all the theatrics that come with it. So enjoy it. Kick back, get some food, do whatever it is you do. Drink a beer, kick back a glass of the finest drink you can find, and just enjoy yourself. Fun NFL holiday. Again, be back tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by on this Thursday. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.